Radio 3 for this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Well, it's a one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready. Now go, can't go, but don't you step on my blue suede shoe. Well, you can do anything but take me over my blue suede shoe. Well, you can knock me down, step in my face, slander my name all over the place. Well, do anything that you want to do, but I'm, uh, honey, lay off them shoes and don't you step on my blue suede shoe. Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Last Saturday, I went to the Regal Kowloon Hotel, where, in the ballroom, there was a very special event happening, the 55th anniversary of the International Elvis Presley Fan Club Hong Kong. There was a Japanese Elvis tribute artist. And also well-known singers such as Joe Jr. And also singers Danny Summer and Philip Chan. I had a chat to some of the fans at this lovely evening, remembering a man who died young in 1977, but whose legacy and music lives on. Singer and producer Anders Nelson was up on stage organising with the club president, Helen Marr, and he told me later he was slicking his hair back Elvis style with the best of them while still at primary school. And I had that sort of Elvis slash James Dean slash Bobby Rydell sort of uh, quiff. In 1956, Elvis Presley appeared for the first time on the US Ed Sullivan show at the age of 21. He'd been banned previously due to what were termed his vulgar hip gyrations, moves that have become a staple for every Elvis tribute artist ever since. He never came to Hong Kong. In fact, he didn't perform outside the United States other than in Germany, where he did his national service. But his fan club here has been going strong since 1968, and Elvis remains popular. At the 55th anniversary party, a minute of silence was held for the club's late patron, veteran DJ Ray Cadero or Uncle Ray, followed by a short movie to honour Presley's late daughter, Lisa Marie. Then it was on with the show, with Japanese Elvis tribute act Daisuke Kuryu, who has won several national championships back home. My name is Daisuke Kiryu. I came from all the way from Japan. This is my first trip in Hong Kong. And congratulations on International Elvis Fan Club in Hong Kong, 55th anniversary. I'm so glad to celebrate with you. He performed four sets showcasing Presley's life from a young performer starting out, doing his national service as a soldier in Germany, the Hawaii phase, and finally, 
the Las Vegas years with rhinestone studded big collars. My daddy was a Among those at the party was the vice chancellor of Chinese University, Rocky Chuan, who's a die-hard Elvis fan. Rocky Chuan, yes, you're vice chancellor of Chinese University, and here you are at the International Elvis Presley Fan Club. Well, and I was invited uh, by Helen Ma to uh, celebrate this very special occasion, right? 55 years. Yeah, because they only do it every five years, so I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Now you once were in Memphis. Ah, oh, yes, that was. At least 20-some years ago, I was invited to uh, give a lecture at the University of Tennessee, Memphis. Met up with a lot of academic people, and then we went to lunch, and then uh, we were driving back, and I was driving down the street, and I turned to my right, and there's Sun Records. And so I said, I got to stop here, stop the car. And Sun Records was? Sun Records was where Elvis started. It's all right, Mama was recorded there, right? So I said, I gotta get out. And of course, it truly is the birthplace of rock and roll. You got Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley, Carl Perkins, and Jerry Lee Lewis, the uh, million dollar quartet, right? Plus B.B. King, Roy Orbison. I'm like, I gotta get out of here. So stop the car. I said, I will take a cab back, give me two hours. <laughs> and those were very precious two hours. Got there. The reason Sun Records was preserved as Sun Records or Sun Studio was because uh, Dr. Martin Luther King was killed not far from there. And then Sun Records closed down. So basically the whole place was exactly the way it was, right? So this is now a historical site. Anyway, that's background. So I got in there and I read enough about Sun Records. You walk in there to the left was, I forgot her name now, the secretary that handled, that basically made Elvis Elvis Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash, Jerry, you know, I mean, because she let them in, right? So anyway, Sam Phillips was the was the producer at the time. So I walked in there, and they said, oh, come this way. Because it's middle of the day, there was nobody there, right? I was the only person there. So I walked in there. So what was it, a whole museum? Or? No, 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 it's exactly the way it was. Oh, yeah. a recording studio? It's a recording studio, right. So you walk in there, and to the far end, there is a music stand, there's a guitar there, and the double bass, and so on. And on the ground, this is like a spot there, okay? And I had the little, little booklet, right? That's where Elvis recorded It's All Right Mama. So legend has it that when Bob Dylan visited Sun Records, he knelt down and kissed the spot, okay? <laughs> Did you? No, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> I thought about it, but I didn't. <laughs> Papa done told me 
And then on the right hand side are the little tiny booths that you can pay some money, and that's where Elvis uh, recorded a song for his mother. And uh, uh, so anyway, so of course I'm like in the in the, in the wall, all these pictures, and I'm like already in an altered state, right? <laughs> and uh, in the back, uh, all the souvenirs and so on. And uh, and then all the way past that is the real recording studio. Meaning, you know, with the, all the recording equipment and uh, the big reels, and uh, that's where Sam Phillip would would uh, do his business. So I'm like, wow, there's, like, there's so much history, and if you just imagine all these people present there at the same time, the amount of DNA, the musical DNA, that's so. I like, but the next two hours, like, time went by really fast. And I remember it, it, I had to go back and give a talk at four o'clock, and uh, I did. I, I took a taxi, so it was uh, kind of an out-of-body experience. Right? <laughs> <laughs> now, did, I, did you grow up on Elvis? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was born and raised in Hong Kong. I listened to Uncle Ray, of course, and Uncle Ray introduced many Elvis songs, and plus many other songs. And uh, well, that, I mean, Elvis never came here. This is the interview that Uncle Ray missed. That's right, because uh, Elvis couldn't come here because his manager, Colonel Parker, actually was an illegal alien. He could not leave the country because he wouldn't be able to come back in. So he basically poo-pooed and and canceled anything Elvis wanted to do outside of the U.S. The furthest he came this way was Hawaii. Uh, and then he just did his military service in Germany. He did military uh, service uh, and uh, he enrolled. Yeah, and that's where he met Priscilla. So yeah, I was always into Elvis from the very early Sun Record days. Sun Record was only about two years, 53, 54. And then Sam Phillips signed him, you know, he signed up with RCA. And then he was there for a long time. Always movies and... But Sun Records had amazing music that he did. It's All Right Mama, of course. I forgot to remember to forget. That was that was another one of my favorites. Anyway, there were a bunch of others. He was actually mostly a rockabilly. And that was when Buddy Holly, Carl Perkins, those guys. Well, you know, if you watch the recent movie, you would know how he grew up in terms of musical development. A lot of blues. And Professor Longhair. And Professor Longhair, you know Professor Longhair, that's right. Mama Thornton, uh, yeah, and uh, those those various, I like uh, rockabilly, so I listened, uh, of course. But you know, 55 years on here in Hong Kong, but just generally, what do you think, I mean he died in what, 1977? Yeah. August 14th. I mean, I the legacy of his music is extraordinary. I actually studied music quite a bit when uh, in college. I almost thought of majoring in music, but fortunately I, I didn't. Otherwise, I'll be still waiting tables right now. But <laughs> a lot had been said about about his voice, and I I did a study of what other people did, and it turns out interestingly his vibrato is what set him apart from a lot of other singers. His vibrato is very different. Vibrato usually is uh, when you slow it down, right? And uh, often is you start lower and then go up. I just did it, in fact. Uh-huh, uh-huh. His is... Uh-huh, uh-huh. So anyway, that's one theory that is very different, that you are mesmerized because he has an uplifting kind of... Uh, he, he takes you up and then he comes down. But he's all subliminal, right? And uh, that's one theory. If you listen to his music, you realize... 
He's truly multi-talented because he could sing anything, right? He could sing anything. He could be he could be saying crazy in the classic country style, and he could be doing obviously rock and roll. He could sing blues. He can sing gospel, and he could sing very dramatic, sort of Frank Sinatra type, my way. Yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. I'm so, an extraordinarily versatile. Yeah, he's very versatile. So I think I think that's one of the reasons. I'm, I'm just a diehard fan. So. <laughs> and the bottom line is I'm a diehard fan. I still am. First of all, the maybe people, people don't really know who I am if I am uh, speaking in English. My name is Dennis Summer. Uh, my Chinese name is Hasio Singh. Maybe you know that. Anyway, people who knows me, I'm singing Cantonese songs, but uh, I did uh, release two English albums. That, that's a long time ago. Uh, one album is called A Change Is Gonna Come. Uh, the other one, the title is Love Me. The, the whole album is singing Elvis. That, that was that was 19... 97 for the first one and 2006 is love me the album my family my sisters and they're really a big fan of elvis so uh, that is some kind of an influence so when i was young uh, during my uh, school days i always see my sister listening to songs like uh, uh, her hair is somewhere and her eyes are also blue this type of song are oh, you long song tonight those young songs so I get into Elvis, and somehow when you know about Elvis and listen to the songs, you, you find out that, oh, he's good. <laughs> and the fact that it's 55 years, I mean, that, I mean, it's just interesting. It's the first time I've been to this kind of event, and just the dedication in the room. They're very happy. I know. Yeah. Uh, a long time ago, I did put on the Rockabilly party, and that was the party Uncle Ray came. He was surprised how come a Chinese like me and form up a rockabilly party and dress like the 50s and 60s. So that's how we came, became close, closer. Oh. So this time you were asking me what I'm doing now. I do a lot of things actually. Uh, I just finished my... I, I also draw comic books. Yes, I just finished my volume 2, Coco West. But the of your lips all mine makes me feel like a king. Singer and actor Philip Chan felt a bit nervous about singing Elvis in front of the fan club. Scary because they wanted me to sing Elvis song, no Crip Richard. <laughs> but it's scary because all these fans they know all his songs by heart. So you know how, how, how big a pressure that would become. <laughs> I also caught up with Anders Nelson. Back in the 50s, when my family was here, we used to take our summer holidays out on Cheng Chao. My dad was a missionary and the, the mission had houses on both Chung Chao and Lantau Island. 
And I was either 10 or 11 at the time. And my mother had gotten me a transistor radio uh, for my birthday on June the 10th. And we didn't have headphones or earbuds or anything back in the day. So I'd walk around with the, with the speaker glued to my ear. And suddenly from, I think it was either Okinawa or Olongapo in the Philippines, a military station played Elvis's Heartbreak Hotel. And that was the most wonderful thing I'd heard after, you know, Perry Como and Frank Sinatra and Patty Page. It was all very polite music and sort of soft and soothing. And suddenly this voice comes on with, with rock and roll. Well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of Lone Street that heartbreak hotel and i i was totally blown away by it did you start slicking back your hair well in fact <laughs> you know in those days we had no television so i was intrigued to find out what did this guy look like. And subsequently, I heard Little Richard and, and Larry Williams and other rock and rollers on that same station. So a couple of days later, I took a ferry from Chengchow to Jordan Road back in the day, and then a bus to the corner of Waterloo and Prince Edward, where the St. Teresa's Church is. Across the road from that, there was a barbershop that, my parents would take us kids to and i remembered they had a stack of hollywood fan magazines and i asked the the barber if i could look through his magazines help yourself and on about the seventh or eighth magazine there was elvis on the cover and i thought whoa this guy is really cool and i asked the the sifu you know can you make my hair like this, same, same? <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, go away and grow your hair for about six months because it was cut very short. And then he told me you get either Brill Cream or uh, Brilliantine, I think the name was, you know, to, to grease it up and slick it down. And I had that sort of Elvis slash James Dean slash Bobby Rydell sort of uh, quiff. Chinese people called it ke lao zhong, which means balcony <laughs> style. It sticks out like a little balcony. So, yeah, I thought I was, I was the coolest guy around. On Saturday mornings, the Princess Theatre where the Beatles played in 64, as well as a state theater on on the other side in, in North Point, they would screen teenage-friendly uh, films, you know, the old rock and roll day films. It was before the Beatles, and they showed Elvis. And we would sit several similarly quiffed young men on the railings outside the cinema, combing our hair, showing off to the young <laughs> ladies. Can you picture that somehow? Yes. And then I was interviewed by a Chinese newspaper in the, I think it must have been mid-70s. I had a band at the time called Ming. It was a uh, columnist 
called Ego Chan, who had the same Elvis hairstyle. He was a dance teacher. He taught ballroom dancing and then uh, and wrote a column. And he asked me at the time, you know, you've you've been in a Bruce Lee movie, you've had records out, you worked at the Star newspaper, and you've written songs. Do you have any sort of ambition left? Because those were my four ambitions as a kid. And I said, maybe one day I'll be able to uh, get Elvis into China and make him famous there. And then many years later, in 1989, I was hired to run uh, BMG Records in, in Hong Kong. And of course, BMG had bought the RCA record label, which had Elvis. And when I flew over to New York to sign my employment contract, they said one of our priority tasks is to get Elvis released in China, which I managed to do in 1990. It took a year of lots of meetings in China with various state departments, uh, censorship, publications, and and so on. I think there's a total of about eight or nine departments. I had to get uh, to chop a document, and we finally got him out. And so what happened then? uh, Oh, sold within a couple of weeks. We sold close to a million cassettes initially, and then we put out CDs. And not only did the CDs sell in China, but Elvis fans around the world were clamoring to buy the first ever China-released CD because it had Chinese writing on it. So, uh, yeah, it did very well. How is Elvis known in Chinese? He's called Mao Wong, which means king of the cats. Uh, Mao is is cat and Wong is king. And, of course, he was a a cool cat. So you launched Elvis in mainland China... It was interesting, right. on Saturday, we saw a Japanese, uh, very good Japanese Elvis tribute act. But here in Hong Kong, there's also been a number of very successful Elvis tribute acts. Oh, yes. The very first one, and in my opinion, to this day, the best one, uh, was Johnny Ma. He was a, a civil servant, uh, loved Elvis, and... He even naturally had the little sneer on his upper lip and dimples like Elvis. And then over the years, there have been many contests. There was a, uh, there still is a Macau Elvis, Rudy Souza, an old friend. He won't mind me saying his uh, waistline has expanded over the years to, to match uh-huh. the, the 70s Elvis. And uh, of course, in Graceland, they have literally hundreds and thousands of ETAs, Elvis tribute artists, who flock to, to Graceland on the anniversary of Elvis's passing. Now, there's another one here, uh, Perrick Lee. Yes, Perrick Lee and Aaron Young are both doctors. I think they're both... Obstetri- uh, obstetricians, yeah, yeah. Swedish people can't pronounce that word. It's <laughs> difficult. Yeah, and uh, Perrick Lee put out an album with Chinese versions of popular Elvis songs. All uh, right, as, d- as did uh, also yeah. Danny Summer. Uh, yes, yes, Danny Summer. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's been in the Hong Kong culture for as almost as long as I can remember. Back in the 60s, probably around the Beatles' time, 
when you had mods and rockers in England, we had Elvis fans versus Cliff Richard fans. And they were they didn't fight, they didn't get violent, but they would inundate radio stations with requests. It was a big thing back in those days. You could write in to the radio stations and re uh, request your favorite songs and dedicate them to your friends or your girlfriend, happy birthday, whatever. And they must have used half of Hong Kong's production of stamps and, and envelopes and paper to, to do that. It was sort of friendly rivalry, but sometimes they would get they would get into shouting matches. So, oh, Cliff Richard is much much better than Elvis. And, yeah. For you, as as a fellow performer, what stands out for you about Elvis's voice, about his performance? Well, you know, he had an excellent but untrained voice that was almost operatic. You listen to some of his tracks. One of his very last recordings when he sang, he played the piano and sang Unchained Melody. And, you know, he hit notes and, and had the texture and sound of, of a well-trained operatic singer. Oh, my love, my darling, I've hungered for your touch same time he he did rock and roll with the roughest of them so he had a wide range and i think you have to admire that just from a technical point of view he he did have a brilliant voice and he had charisma there's no two ways about that he, he very good looking guy and he was not just an entertainer from the singing and uh, acting and uh, stage presence point of view. But he, he started uh, a whole new fashion trend with both the hair and the, the clothes and, and everything. That was followed by the Beatles, who started a different trend. But John Lennon said famously, before Elvis, there was nothing. I'll be coming home. Go! 
celebration of the 55th anniversary of the International Elvis Presley Fan Club, Hong Kong. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.